everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Draft Busters podcast here on Vendetta Sports Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Rinaldi, and I'm along with Matt Robertshaw. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing all right. Um, excited to uh, dig into the film on these guys, and even more excited now. Excellent. Yeah, I've been a little busy, so I haven't gotten to do too much of the film, but we're hoping to bring on some scouting reports to the Vendetta Sports Media YouTube page. So stay tuned for that. Today's episode, what we have in store for you guys today is this is going to be a sleepers episode. So we're going to discuss a few of our sleepers at each level of the draft. So day one, we're each going to give you two sleepers. Day two and day three, we will each give you three sleepers. And we know everyone loves reading about the sleepers. So without further ado, let's get into this one. Matt, day one, who's a sleeper you got? So on day one, and uh, just for the format of this show, what we're going to give is that uh, for day one, we're going to give one offensive, one defensive per, and then we're going to expand a little bit on day two and day three. But for day one, I was kind of tussling on who to do, but actually I'm going to go back to my original thought. That's Kristen Darisol. That was the offensive tackle for Virginia Tech. He had a really good campaign this year. Um, And he's kind of an odd case because he's a very physical man. He will ground you to uh, put you into the turf uh, in the run game. He's very proficient. He's very aggressive. I think right now that 6'5", 314, if he can put on a, cu- a couple more pounds, I think right now he plays well in a zone scheme as a right tackle. Not He's stronger than uh, Ezra, uh, Ezra Cleveland was last year, but that kind of run game first uh, technicality um, – getting to the uh, second level and making sure that you open up run lanes for him. If you're a run first offense and you need a right tackle, left tackle, if you can handle it and have some chipping tight ends, I think he's going to be a great fit. He could be in the, in my mind, the 15 to 25 type range. I know the Steelers are really going to need some help. Bill in the wave is probably out. Um, Pouncey just uh, um, announced his retirement. Both of the Pouncey brothers, congrats to them, by the way, great careers. Um, but they're going to need some help. So I think the Steelers could be a possible good fit. But, yeah, so he's uh, going to be more on the um, z- zone-specific run scheme. I think he'd be more proficient at right tackle to start out. Um, he's a good athlete. He just needs some fine-tuning. Yeah, I like it. Darisaw is um, definitely going to get a lot of first-round looks, especially being at that tackle position, which is such a yeah. big need in the NFL. I have met my offensive tackle rank three and the guy I want to talk about on the offensive side is maybe a day one sleeper is my OT two, which is Dylan Radunes from North Dakota state. Now he was very impressive in the senior bowl and Trey and I talked about this in the last episode. He just, to me, he stood out as the best tackle. He looked like the strongest and he looked like the quickest on his feet. He has great um, lateral agility, and he has great in, a great finishing ability to finish in the second level. And plenty of times, just he just steamrolled through some top caliber edge rushing prospects at the Senior Bowl in the game. Trey and I also talked about this, where the offensive line didn't look great in the game on both sides, but Redden's really held the anchor down at that left tackle spot. Um. So yeah, he to me is a guy who offensive tackles typically trend upwards as we get to draft day. So a lot of guys that you maybe didn't think were going to go in the first round eventually end up in the first round, especially at that offensive tackle position. And 
Dylan's a guy who I think is going to be that mover on draft day. To me, he's a pretty much a fit for any um, offensive line scheme. He's great in the run game, great in the pass game. He can zone block. Um, yeah, so this is a guy who I think has potential to be one of the top offensive line prospects in this class, and I think he definitely deserves first-round looks. I think the Steelers would be very interested uh, around that time uh, if he's not gone beforehand. Yeah, and um, I had said I had said in another video, I think he could even be a top 15 pick because, like I said, often the tackles really move up on draft day. Like last year at this time, we didn't expect – four tackles to be taken in the top was it 10 picks or maybe 12 last year yeah worse uh, capped it i can't remember worse capped it at uh, 12 or 13 yeah so yeah and we, we that saw a, that he was he was better than that pick right and that was a surprise at this time last year but on draft night it really wasn't surprised as that was kind of expected so i think yeah. a similar thing's going to happen and radins to me is one of the top often tackles in this class so if we could just have him going thigh deep out of a pool, jumping up to the next level, or we'll get that top 15. Right. Um, so moving on to the defensive side, uh, in the ping pong effect, I have Jalen Phillips. I love Jalen Phillips. Now, this is a big caveat. If he had not had issues injury-wise, he'll have to get medically cleared. It's going to be a big part of his draft stock. He retired in 2018 at UCLA from too many concussions. Totally understand if you can't, if you don't feel safe in the future, totally get it. But he came back, he transferred to Miami, and he is the relentless motor. He has all the physical tools you could ever desire, dream of in a defensive end. Um, he could be a three, four edge rush. He's athletic enough to play in some zone in the flats and, and just be big enough to bat some, uh, some passes down. But at, in the pass game, he's a monster. He is long. He is athletic. He is violent. He needs to get a little bit stronger. He's six foot five, two sixty six. That's a good weight for him. But it just depends where he needs to be. If he's going to be a four, uh, a three down lineman, and he's going to play those seven techniques, he needs to get a little bit stronger so he can provide in the run game. Um, selfishly, I'm hoping that the Browns uh, look at him because the edges are a bit confusing this year. You have Quiddy Pay, Rousseau, Phillips, and cannot remember the other one who's in consideration, um, Owe. I'm not particularly the biggest fan of Owe, um, but I think Jalen Phillips would be a great sleeper to get into the, the back half of the draft, 20s and beyond, but likely in that kind of uh, 20 to 30 range. But this is a lot like what happened a couple of years ago with Daquan Bowers with his generative knee issue. People knew that they were going to get some production to start, but it's really how long are you going to get it? Are you going to get a first round pick and five years contract control, but the guy's only going to play two years if he has another concussion. So that's why he's not getting that much talk in the first round, but his talent is top 15. It's unquestionable. If you look at his tape, it's really, really good stuff. Yeah, totally. And edge rushers, again, like offensive tackle, that's a big need from all teams. And that's the kind of position that you're looking for in the first round. I like Phillips. Phillips really proved himself this year as better than Quincy Roche. And even though Rousseau didn't play, he could even be classified as better than Rousseau. It'll be interesting because a lot of these edge guys play similar. And I will agree with you. I think Phillips needs to get bigger for sure. And 
again, we're kind of going off the same positions here. I have a three, four outside linebacker that I think deserves first round consideration. He was one of my favorite players to watch over the summer. Um, Joseph Osai from Texas. I don't know if you saw <clears throat> their Texas's bowl game against Utah in 2019. Um, Osai was defensive player of the game, and that was probably that and the J.C. Horn tape that I watched over the summer. Those were my favorite two tapes to watch. Um, I think Osai is just an incredible playmaker. He's very versatile. He can rush the passer, and he can drop back in coverage. Um, I think his blitz package is way more developed than some of these other edge rushers in this class. Like we mentioned Gregory Russo. He's a guy who is freak athlete, incredibly talented, but he really doesn't have a pass rushing plan. Osai is also a freak athlete, incredibly talented, and he does have a pass rushing plan. So Osai is a guy who, if you're looking for like a surefire, going to get the job done kind of edge rusher, as opposed to like a coin flip, could be great, could be below average. I'm looking at Osai in the back end of the first round as an edge rusher that is going to make a huge impact on a team from day one. Specifically uh, at that 3-4, again, a lot of the guys we're talking about Steelers need because if they need to replace Dupree, unless they think the Highsmith is uh, the answer to replace them, long. Osai is long, and he run, he plays like his hair is on He's fire. He's very fast. He gets the I'm ball a huge hurry. fan. Yep. I'm a huge fan of him. Yeah, I really like Osai. And – um Edge rush is a huge need for most teams year in and year out. So there's going to be a lot of guys or a lot of teams that are looking to call his name on draft night. Yeah. Right. So we'll move on to some of our day two sleepers. Before we do that, let's hear a quick word from one of our sponsors. The following broadcast is brought to you in association by Forever Grips. Go to forevergripsgaming.com for all of your affordable gaming accessories. Need new grips for your analog sticks? They've got it. Need to swag up your controller or console, including the Xbox Series X or PS5? They've got it. Need a sweet mouse pad to complete your setup? Go to ForeverGripsGaming.com now. Act now and use the Vendetta Sports Media promo code VSM15 at checkout to get 15% off of your purchase. That's right, 15% off by using our promo code VSM15. Forever Grips. The best accessories for the best prices are with Forever Grips. All right, welcome back to the Draft Buzzers podcast on Vendetta Sports Media. Moving on, we're going to discuss some day two sleepers. Both Matt and I each have three. So we'll start with Matt. Starting on the offensive side of the ball, uh, I'm going to go with the Wisconsin Mountain Man from the Senior Bowl is going to be Quinn Miners out of Wisconsin Whitewater for the Warhawks. He was a standout when it came to the Senior Bowl. His tape is an absolute joke if you look at him as Wisconsin Whitewater. It is D3 ball, so you have to take it with a grain of salt, but he is ragdolling people at left guard. He's athletic enough to, to make some pulls. Um, I think he needs some hip, hip flexibility if he's really going to make uh, an NFL team at guard. But for day two, I like him in the possibility of day three. Uh, sorry, not day three, round three. Uh, I enjoyed his tape a lot at the Senior Bowl before he had to go for in, uh, had to leave for injury. Um, he was a standout. He has extremely uh, well developed recovery sets. He's going to get beat when it comes to speed, but if he's playing on the interior, that's something that you can live with. Maybe if you're not in the same division as Aaron Donald. 
but it's something that you can work with if you're going to play against three, four teams um, or four, three nose tackles and whatnot. But he has a great recovery set. The bull rush does not affect him. Uh, his only thing for him is his, our quick pass sets. If you're doing a lot of screens or if you're doing a lot of quick pass, um, sometimes he has a tendency to get a little over enthusiastic and set too hard. And, uh, swims are his weakness. But if you're going against bull rushers, not a problem. He will bury you and he will have a good time and talk some trash to you afterwards. He's going to be a fan favorite for whoever picks him. I mean, they were speaking at the Senior Bowl how his, his family owns a fishery, I believe, in Canada, and that was his training. He has Rocky montages for how he trains in the offseason. And he's, uh, he's going to be a fan favorite no matter where he ends up. But I, I see him in about in round three. But if you need a center, possibly a guard, uh, if you need something athletic enough, he'll do it for you. But he's just a good dude. I, I'm excited to see where he goes. Yeah, for sure. He's going to be a fan favorite. I like the story of at the senior bowl about how he, I believe he broke his hand or he was his yep. thumb or something, but, and he still wanted to play in the game, which yeah, I think that really shows his, um, his character. And yeah. he was there for a purpose. And on that interior offensive line in that class, there's a lot of injury concerns. I mean, Landon Pickerson, there's yep. concerns there after he tore his ACL. We like, he's, he's a great character. He's a great guy, but that could be a problem on draft night. Same with Wyatt Davis. You know, there's some guys that have a lot of injury concerns. So he's a guy that could definitely um, trend upwards. I'm not too sure about the injury for Wyatt Davis. is more of him just staying strong. Um, but, yeah, it, it's not the strongest class for interior. Um, yeah. But he, he can definitely sneak in, especially. Like, we saw the pressure that the Chiefs were facing. If you have him in round three, I think that you're going to be uh, setting just fine. Yeah. So staying on the offensive side of the ball, the guy I'm going to say, he was another senior bowl participant. He's a guy who I'm working on an article for him right now. Been pretty busy um, working as the equipment manager for the William and Mary football team. So been at practice a lot doing that stuff. So I'll get back in the article soon. But anyway, Dwayne Eskridge, wide receiver from Western Michigan's my guy here. I have watched a good amount of his tape. And the first thing that jumps off the screen to me is just his speed, his ability to get off the line. His ability to get in and out of breaks. He just looks, he just looked a step more than a step quicker than all the corners he faced. And it really was the same thing in the senior bowl throughout the week as well. He's very versatile. He can play in the backfield. I don't want to compare him to Tyreek Hill because I feel like that's kind of lazy, but teams can use him in a similar way that the Chiefs use Tyreek Hill. Kind of always in motion. He can play in the slot. He can play on the outside and he's going to get open and he's going to produce. He's also a punt return threat similar to guys like Hill or McCole Hardman who have done great things in the league just because of their speed alone. And I think Eskridge is more than just speed. He's also got great hands and he's physical for someone his size. He's tough to bring down. So this is a guy who, and I don't want to forget to mention, he was recruited by PJ Fleck when PJ Fleck was a coach at Western Michigan. Fleck was a great wide receiver. I believe he played in the NFL, but he's, He's an offensive mastermind in college football. So I think that speaks a little bit about Eskridge's talent and, you know, what a great receivers coach saw in him. So Eskridge is definitely an offensive guy. And day two, he could, be a, he could be a late round two pick. He could be an early round three pick. He could even go early round two based on if teams value him and his versatility over a typical X receiver. Do you see him in that kind of light <clears throat> where we saw like Naheem Hines 
a couple of years ago for the uh, for the Colts coming out of NC State because people saw just weapon get the ball, let him uh, let him do work. Yeah, he could be played in a similar role to that. I I kind of like him staying at receiver. I think Naeem Hines is more of like a Demetric Felton kind of guy where I think they're putting him at receiver now. I would prefer him at running back. So I'd prefer him in like a Naeem Hines role as opposed to Eskridge, but just the bottom line of Eskridge is versatility and speed, and that's huge in a modern-day offense. As long as the Patriots don't get him, I'll be happy. Um so I'll, I'll take the next one. Uh, so we had, you just had Eskridge as the offensive weapon from West, uh, Western Michigan. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Elijah Molden. I'm going to classify him as a safety. He can play nickel corner. He can drop in the box a little bit. He needs to get bigger, 5'10", 190. I like his covered skills, but with the thing that stands out, I watched his Stanford tape. Stanford runs the ball. He was not really ever confused all too much by the play action, but he had extremely um, well-producing run fits. He was never out of place when it came to the run game. He could miss a tackle due to strength, but he was always in position exactly where you needed him coming out of the safety position. I want him to be a little bit more aggressive. I want him to bulk up a little bit, but if you need to roll down where you can have a free safety uh, or a three safety set, and you need someone in the box who is willing to tackle, get in the box, and but can still cover a slot corner or, or a slot uh, wide receiver, or in zone coverage, make sure that that box is being protected. Watch out for the flash. Watch out for the first down markers. I think he's going to be a really good tool for that. He's going to be very creative for people. Um, I'm not comparing in the sense because Jabril Peppers was a much better athlete but that kind of sense of where you can put him anywhere you want. He just needs to get a lot stronger for that. But if you, it's like Jabril Pepper is light. Put him in the box. You can put him on a corner. He's not big enough for tight ends. But he has good coverage skills uh, around the ball, and his run fits are amazing. I, I really enjoyed his, uh, his mental game when it came to where to be so that way he doesn't give up. He, he may give up the eight-yard play, but he's not going to give up uh, a missed tackle and let them go for 30 more. Yeah, I really like Molden as well as kind of like the slot, that physical slot corner. It, again, this is somewhat of a lazy comparison, I guess, but he does remind me a bit of Byron Murphy, who just came from Washington two years ago, a bit. who plays for Arizona now. So I think they play similarly, and I was a big fan of him coming out. I definitely agree with what you said with, yeah, he'll give up the eight-yard pass, but he's not going to let you beat him up top, and he's not going to miss a tackle on the backside. So I completely agree with that. I think Molden's definitely a good corner in the slot. My next guy is going to be Benjamin St. Juice. He's a bigger cornerback. He's 6'3". He's out of Minnesota. I liked him in the senior bowl as well. Didn't really talk about him much in the last episode. But, yeah, his, um, his coverage skills are very good. Um, his extension skills are on point. Um, he takes great angles to the ball. I think that was shown a lot in the one-on-ones. Um, and you know, he can work in multiple schemes. I think cover two or Tampa two or coverages like that are going to be better for him. I like him, you know, in press man, because he's, he's a physical guy and he's a bigger corner than most corners. And especially <clears throat> receivers are kind of trending to be a little bit smaller, a little bit faster. <clears throat> I think he could jam them on the line very well. Um, I don't think, I don't have too many concerns with him 
in terms of speed, I think he's going to be able to hang on the hips of some guys. And, you know, he's got great ball skills, like I said. So I think this is a guy who, you know, late day two can make an impact right away on the team. I mean, you've seen, we've seen guys like Legereus Sneed, who from Louisiana Tech, who made a big impact in his first year with Kansas City. And I mean, I'm not comparing the two. The two play pretty different. Sneed's more of <clears throat> um, like an off ball. But there's corners who have impacted their teams in kind of that area of the draft. And this Benjamin St. Juice could be that guy. Um, so in these day two and day three portions, we're going to include a wild card of either side of the ball. But just because there are more rounds, we want to uh, add more variety and more sleepers because everyone loves them. Um, so on that wild card side for day two, I'm going to go with Greg Newsom, the cornerback out of Northwestern. Um, I like his game. He is physical. He will talk trash. Uh, his hips for a day two possibility pick are outstanding. He's good at flipping the hips. He's good at, re uh, at reading the hips of receivers in man-to-man coverage. Um, he's also he's good at reading the eyes in zone coverage, but he wants to be outside. He's 6'1", 190. That's fine. That's good enough um, size to get you there. And I like his length, but he will do well when it comes to it, it, how he was used with those good corners at Northwestern was as a cover three deep zone. Nothing gets beyond you, but he was really good at playing press, not necessarily jamming up front when it came to at least Ohio state game before he had to leave, but reading the hips, making sure that he knows the cuts that are about to happen before the wide receiver even makes them. So I like his instincts. He's perfectly fine going to get the tackle. In um, man-to-man, I think he's more than competent, and I believe he can go in, uh, for a second round, if not uh, round three. But day two, I think, is a really good spot for him. His hips are outstanding, and I think he'll be just fine. He'll be a good catch for someone. Yeah, Newsom was certainly one of the biggest risers throughout the year just because of the season that Northwestern had. Um, a bit similarly, my guy is going to be Ali McNeil from the – nose tackle from NC State. He was another big riser this year. And so I'm, I don't know, I'm not going to pretend like I know the most about, you know, nose tackles, but McNeil's a great run stopper. He's a great run defender. Um, and that's a big need for every team in the NFL, you know, a solid three, four nose tackle. Um, and what he can do differently that some of these other nose tackles in this draft can't, like Tyler Shelvin from LSU or Tadero Slayton from Florida is he can actually rush the passer, Ali McNeil. And I think he's much more athletic than those two. And as opposed to some of the other, you know, interior defensive linemen like Davion Nixon or like Christian Barrymore, I don't think they're traditional nose tackles. You know, I think they can line up on the, More three on the defensive end. Yeah. But McNeil is more of a one tech guy who is going to be that nose tackle guy on the ball. And he's, he's pretty quick in the getup and, He's just a good run stopper. So I think Ali McNeil is a great, you know, mid-round, round three option for a team he's, in need of some help on the defensive line. He's actually starting to get some round one love as well. Because if people see a uh, defensive tackle that can, pass, uh, that can rush the passer, that's very valuable in today's game. So he's starting yeah. to get some round one love too. Yeah, I, um, like, I think round two for him is where he'll end up. Yeah, yeah, it's just – People are trying to get his name out there, but round two, round three seems comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like that. All right. So 
before we um we're gonna hear another word from one of our sponsors so after that we're gonna talk about some day three sleepers so let's hear another word from our sponsor the following broadcast is brought to you in association by xp coffee company xp coffee company is the fresh brewed coffee made for gamers by gamers Get amazing flavors like Choco Loco in 8, 12, or 16-ounce bags. Or level up and get illusion, isolation, nightmare, or the majestic throne blends in light, medium, or dark roast in whole bean. Coarse French press, drip, or fine espresso in 12-ounce, 16-ounce, or 2-pound bags. Wow! Shipping worldwide. If you're in the U.S., go to usa.xpcoffee.co. If you're in Europe or in the U.K., Go to www.xpcoffee.co. XP Coffee Company for gamers by gamers. All right. So, day three sleepers in the 2021 NFL draft. Day three is a big day for most teams. This is where you can get guys who can really make an impact on your franchise for very low cost. So, we each got three sleepers that we're going to give you as some guys that can make a huge impact on an NFL team from rounds four through seven. So Matt, let's hear from you first. So going on offense for day three, I'm going to start with Spencer Brown. Um, big, physical, trash-talking. Uh, he played right tackle at Northern Iowa. Um, I think that's where he stays for now. I think he's perfectly well adept uh, to play left tackle. I like him there. But if you want him comfortable from, from uh, the FCS level moving up, make him uh, where he's comfortable. He's 6'8", 290, so he needs to put on a little bit more weight and then uh, Andrew Villanueva kind of – if you're going to be that tall, you got to put some weight, uh, weight on for it. But I like his technique. I like his pass pro setups. He was really good in the senior bowl. I enjoyed watching him a lot, and he will trash talk you. If he puts you in the dirt, he's going to let you know two three plays afterwards. Um, his run blocks are really good. I think he's a long athlete. He just needs to fill out a little bit more, but I really enjoy him a team that could use him. He's more zone specific. If you want to use him to his fullest capability, uh, it kind of reminds me, this is not his comp, but just light to like 0.05 version of like a Mike McGlinchey, just that tall rangy tackle who can get to the second level. And when he gets his hands on you, he's going to drive you down. So I think he's going to be a uh, round four, round five kind of character. Um, but I like the tenacity he brings and brings some more small schools guys, small school guys up in the uh, board. So uh, Spencer Brown, offensive tackle out of Northern Iowa, would favor him in the zone specific schemes, but I think he's going to need a year to develop, but I think he's going to develop into a quality player. Gotcha. Yeah. I haven't seen too much of Spencer Brown. I watched him over the summer against Iowa state. I don't remember too much about what I saw from that game, but I, he did look the part at the senior bowl. So, and I've heard a little bit, I've, I've even heard day two buzz for him. That's on Twitter though. So it's obviously different, but yeah, there's a lot of people who like him for sure. My guy, um, it wouldn't be a sleeper video if we didn't bring up a running back as those are the main guys who I think are who become sleepers, especially the day three guys. So I'm going to go with an interesting one here that I haven't heard many people say his name. Um, Louisville running back JV and Hawkins. So he's a small guy. He's five, nine. I think he's around 195. So he's going to be more of a complimentary back, at least to start in the NFL. And the concern with him is he only caught 21 passes. Um, I'm just getting this from 
the draft network. I don't know if that factors this year. I didn't get to see him too much this year, but he wasn't a huge threat in the receiving game, partly because they had Tutu Atwell, who also lines up in the backfield and catches a lot of screen passes. But what I love about Javion Hawkins is just his speed and his big playability. And he's pretty physical for someone his size. I wouldn't say at all that he, you know, lacks physicality. I've seen a lot of plays where, with him spinning off of defenders or breaking tackles. Um, his cuts are great, and he's very elusive, in my opinion. I really liked him coming into the season. I thought he had the potential to be one of the top rushers in the country in terms of rushing yards. He didn't get to do that this year, and Louisville really underperformed, in my opinion, this year. But, yeah, he's a dynamic runner. I, I think – I don't really know how his hands are, but I think based on his footwork and – his elusiveness, I don't see a problem in the past game. And I know he doesn't have too much experience, but that's not a very difficult thing to learn in the NFL. So I really like Hawkins as a day three sleeper running back who can have a huge impact, especially as a complimentary back, which so many teams need and all teams use complimentary backs. So this is a guy who I think can be a day three, somewhat of a steal. Gotcha. You know, when Louisville figures out what offense they really want to run, uh, everyone will be helped out by that. Yeah, I was really disappointed uh, in Louisville this year. Yeah. I thought I was expecting a big year from them. So going to the defensive side, um, I'm going to bring up Chris Rumpf, the uh, the second, the edge uh, defender. Uh, Duke, more of a rotational kind of edge defender, but he's one of the few guys last year who gave Jedrick Wills trouble and just continuously um, giving him edge protection troubles. This year, his only issue is a 6'4", which is nice, is 235. And he looks like 220. This is an issue for the fact that he will need to stay rotational. Right now, the first year, I foresee him going to be as a 3-4 edge rusher. He's going to be very rotational. He's going to be third down only for a little bit because he needs to fill out. He's very thin in the hips. He's got a good frame. It ju- he just needs to fill, fill out a little bit more. He reminds me in his pass, r- pass rush as Tim Williams from Alabama a couple years ago. Wiry, like very thin for the size, but holy hell does he get after it. Um, he was used in blitzing A-gaps for, uh, as an off-ball linebacker. That's not supposed to be his position, but everyone knows if he's in that set that he was going to rush the passer. Um He's very tenacious when he uh, when he sets his mind to it. I think he's going to be uh, a good pickup. When you're only a one-down player, this is like the idea behind Bruce Irvin when he was drafted. You were meant for one thing, getting to the passer on third and eight and beyond. You're going to drop in the draft because people need you more than for one down. But I think if he goes in the fifth and sixth round to someone, specifically in the three, four schemes, I think he's going to be a great find. I think he's going to get you four sacks. Um, and if you get any production out of your six rounders, I think it's a win for you. He just needs to be coached along and helped along, but all the tools I think are there. He just needs to get a little bit more filled out, but his efforts there, his speed is there and his tenacity is there. He will not stop on a pass rush. Even if he stopped up on the, on a a double team, he's going to find a way to try and uh, get the next move in. So he just needs small right now. 6'4", so you know that the frame's a little bit there to get himself maybe to 255, 260. But if you could put him as an edge defender or an outside linebacker, 
and help him develop in some coverage. You can make him a little bit more flexible, but I think he's, I think he's a good pass rusher and that's more than important now. And I think in round six, someone in three, four scheme will be very happy to get him. Totally. Yeah. And you mentioned he's a bit of an in-betweener and my next guy, he's also a bit of an in-betweener. Tony Fields, the second linebacker from West Virginia. He is a bit of an in-betweener in the sense that you don't really know if he's an outside linebacker or an inside linebacker. He's just six one, So he might be a, a little small and, you know, he's not the best in his pass rushing moves. So I think he's going to be more of a weak side linebacker, but the thing that stands out to me with him is just his wide tackle radius. You know, he's always making plays on the ball. Um, he's very athletic as well. And he has shown the ability to drop back in pass coverage. He made a big impact on that West Virginia defense transferring from Arizona the past year. He's a guy who, when I saw he was transferring, I didn't really know much about him. And when I saw he's going to a big 12 school, I kind of disregarded him. But when I watched him this year, he was really all over the ball. So height is definitely somewhat of an issue. And I don't know if he could be like the main inside linebacker. I don't see him being like a Devin white who just won the super bowl, but I see him as, you know, <clears throat> maybe being on like the second unit of a defense and coming in and making an impact, especially in the run game as, you know, kind of like that anchor in the second half of the defense and, you know, being able to stop the ball carrier and he has shown the ability to drop back in coverage as well. So fields is a guy I like as, an impact player in day three who can get some time on the field and produce. Maybe we all see what uh, mid round and late round linebackers can add value to the team as well. Yeah. Um, so winding up for my end of the show for my final wild card, and this is the truest wild card they could be because there is little to no film on him. This is Trey McKitty, the tight end out of Georgia. I believe they said he had eight catches in this past season. If you get eight catches, even as a fullback in college football, you have some questions of why you don't get the ball more. Um, showed up at the senior bowl. Mac Jones had a very co- nice connection with him. I liked what I saw, saw from the anticipatory throws, but his ability to react, his willingness to block, He's not the most polished route runner, run blocker, but he's willing to. Um, as a Browns fan, I uh, had seen a lot of David Njoku, maybe not lackluster, but just, you know, he's there to catch balls. Trey McKinney will not have any issues with blocking because he wants to. He wants to get better at it. 6'5", 245. I am happy with that frame. He could get a little bigger. Not a polished route runner, but he knows how to box out with the body. And he just needs exposure. He just needs some help. He needs experience. He's been on the field fine, but he just has not gotten any looks his way. I get it. The offense in Georgia was different. It wasn't really geared towards what he's strong at. But his hands are incredible. If we saw anything that uh, he had at Senior Bowl, more catches than he had his entire career in Georgia, he has incredibly good hands. He has quick eyes in order to get his hands up when needed. So that way, that lack of separation that he gets can be uh, null and void because of when he gets his hands out and how good those hands are. So if you he's a possibility to go undrafted, but six, seven rounds where someone just sees that tight end can catch the ball. And we all know the athletic tight ends that we love. No matter what, there's always instances of 
just dropping the ball right, right yeah. when it hits their hands because they're excited about the 20 yard gain that they could make. So I like his hands a lot. He needs to be coached up. He's not going to be a final product. We all know tight ends are take the longest amount of time to really produce and develop. This year's tight end class was abysmal. Harrison Bryant was probably the star of it, and he still barely did anything, uh, especially in the second half of the season. So Trey McKitty, tight end of Georgia. Good luck finding film on him that's not the senior bowl, but I, I like his hands. I like his ability. He just needs some time. Yeah, and similar to like linebacker tight ends position where if you can grab a guy who you think has the potential to make an impact in those later rounds, that's a really good pick. And my last guy, it's going to be a receiver. It's another it's arguably the position to wait on in the draft other than running back. Um, so my guy's going to be Daz Newsome, receiver out of UNC. So I've said this for a while. I actually like him more than Deami Brown from UNC. Who Deami Brown was like the X receiver and – Newsom was more of the slot guy. I've been a much bigger fan of Daz Newsom just because I think he is more athletic than Brown, and I honestly think he can do more. Um, Newsom can return punts as well. He can also line up in the backfield, you know, and he's a motion guy who makes defenses really, like, lock in on him and focus on him a lot. Um, he's good in the second level. He's great, you know, catching – you know, those 10 yard passes and turning it into bigger gains. He's very physical for his size. I think he's 5'11. I could be wrong about that, but that. he's kind of ideal for a slot receiver. And I mean, slot receivers are just becoming more and more important in the NFL nowadays. I'm a Miami fan. We desperately need a slot receiver that can catch the ball that isn't Jakeem Grant. I mean, so, hell, you could get both him and uh, we need and yeah. and be happy. Yeah, we need, an, we need an X and a slot. So, but, I mean, slot receivers are very impactful in today's game. And I think Newsom is one of the better ones in this class. I know there's a couple guys we didn't talk about. Like Elijah Moore from Ole Miss I really like. Marlon Williams from UCF I really like as well. But Newsom, I think, is still going to be there. And, like, maybe round six could even still be there in round seven just because he's kind of forgotten about in that offense with, you know, Javante Williams, Michael Carter, De'Ami Brown. But I would say that Newsom's more impactful just because he can do more than Brown, whereas Brown's more of like a, I don't want to say one-dimensional, but he's more of a deep threat, whereas Newsom can beat you on all three levels, short, intermediate, and in the deep passing. So Arizona Cardinal fans be listening. Um, yeah, I, I like both of them. I like Daz Newsom's uh, explosiveness and his ability after the catch. Uh, and his anticipation for after-catch moves. Yeah, totally. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Draft Busters podcast, the NFL Draft 2021 Sleepers edition. If you guys have anything you want to see from us throughout this draft season, comment down below. Let us know what you want to see. Give us a like and make sure to subscribe to the Vendetta Sports Media channel. We're going to be pumping out a bunch more NFL draft content for you guys. Um, these next couple months are going to be fun. Draft night's going to be fun. We're getting a lot more guys on this site. Matt, I don't know if you have any input on that, but the site's doing really well as of late. Um, we're all going to know each other pretty well, which has been fun. Um, so any last comments, Matt? Uh, no. Uh, you know, baseball season's coming up. We're excited for uh, no more snowstorms. 
but not exci- excited for some better weather. Um, I actually work with the Orioles production team, so I'm excited to get back in there and actually look at some live sports. Um, we'll nice, be one yeah. of the few, fortunate few. Um, and excited. Was it 73 days till the draft? I actually might go to Cleveland yeah. if they're doing any live events because oh, I have yeah. family there. Um, very, I'm mean, very excited. You know, it's it's mock draft season. Everyone's starting to ramp up the first uh, first or second editions. Everyone's revising their boards. I'm very excited, and it's it's time to see the people who are in third are in the third round consideration right now. This is when you start seeing their first uh, first round ascension. So yeah, um, yeah, a lot more super- that's gonna a lot more of that's gonna be coming onto the site. Big boards, mock drafts, positional rankings, all that. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for watching, guys, and see you guys next time. Yep.